Welcome to the latest episode of the Wolf Sports Show. It's week five in the first full week of October. Typically, by this point, we know for the most part where teams stand. I think we do to some extent, but this season, the parity has just been really crazy. It seems the NFL gets more competitive every year. And again, I think that's happened in 2022. I was thinking the Bills mainly, and then also the Bucks and Eagles were potential juggernauts, despite how deep the league is. The Chiefs ended up handling the Bucks pretty easily in Tampa Bay on Sunday night. Bills had a little bit of trouble with the Ravens before ultimately coming back and winning. Overall, it's definitely a parody-filled league where it feels like anything can happen in a given week. And when the playoffs roll around, we'll see what happens. It's a long season, but that maybe anyone can make a run. So again, on this week's episode, as we do every show, we're going to cover all 32 teams. Again, by just going through each of the week five matchups. Starting with on Amazon Prime Video tonight, the Colts face the Broncos in Denver. Indy is going to be without Jonathan Taylor, who injured his ankle last week. It was just too short of a turnaround for him to play, although the word is it's a mob ankle injury, so that's good news. And I'm hoping and expecting he'll be good to go after getting the week off. And I mentioned on last week's show how Taylor, before last week, never missed a practice in his career, so this is obviously uncommon for him to miss a game like this. But hopefully he'll get right. The main thing for the Colts last week, they were totally stonewalled by the Titans' defensive line, and clearly they need to figure things out up front if they're going to be where they want to be this season, which is in the playoffs and hoping to compete for a championship. Taylor had, I think, 20 carries for 42 yards last week. I know some people have, especially those that haven't been fantasy, I'm one of them. I took him second row, have uh, criticized Taylor individually. Those that actually watch the game know he had nowhere to run. There was no room to run at all. And it was pretty shocking from an offensive line that's supposed to be one of the best in the league, and they have not played like that at all this season. So yeah, even with Taylor out, they need to figure things out to get the run game going. Matt Ryan is under too much pressure, though he's dealing with it well. And his supporting cast in terms of receivers isn't super deep or anything, or I don't think anyone would say it's like a elite unit, but he's distributing the ball nicely. And he'll have a tough task without Taylor tonight in Denver. And for the Broncos, they lost Javante Williams, second-year running back, promising player to a torn ACL and more damage to the knee, unfortunately, last week in their loss to the Raiders. Thankfully, they are pretty deep at running back. Melvin Gordon's long been a productive player in the league, despite some issues early this season with fumbles. Mike Boone is a guy that has been talked up by like former teammates. Dalvin Cook, former teammate with the Vikings, has said in the past how talented Boone is, and he's shown flashes when he's got an opportunity, so we'll see how he does, especially as a pass catcher. And then they signed Latavius Murray from the Saints practice squad. Murray played for New Orleans and London last week, and he looked really good. And it wouldn't be shocking if he eventually emerges as a reliable top option for them in the backfield if they don't trust Gordon with the fumbling issues. Overall, I think all three of them will contribute, and they'll be okay at running back despite the loss of Williams being unfortunate and hurting. And like the Colts, the Broncos' own issues on offense are well-documented to this point. Russell Wilson's now had four games under center, 
for Denver with his new team, new offense. So we'll see if they can get clicking soon. And not having Taylor and Williams in lineups tonight is a blow to the matchup, but it's still a good one. Essentially the Peyton Manning Bowl, Colts and Broncos. Moving to Sunday, uh, second consecutive London game, the second of two this season. I don't know about you guys. I'm on the East Coast, so it's easier, but I really like the 9.30 games, 9.30 local time for me. To have football from breakfast through the night is pretty awesome. Viking Saints was an entertaining game last week in London. The fans in London, they love it. The NFL, you can tell by the crowd reactions, they're in it. West Coasters have to get up at 6.30. And there was a big debate last week in like fantasy football circles about Alvin Kamara. He was inactive when a lot of fantasy managers thought he'd be playing. I think it's pretty simple. I think if you have Kamara on your fantasy team, you had to prepare for it and say you're on the West Coast. If you don't want to get up 6.30, I think you should be able to work something out with your league commissioner and say, like, if Kamara's inactive, I would want so-and-so in the lineup instead. But I don't think it's a slippery slope to say you're going to retroactively take Kamara out of the lineup because he was inactive and you didn't know it. But anyway, back to this week's game. This is the 32nd game in London between the Giants and the Packers. First time Green Bay's playing in London. They're the final team to do so. And it's the first time, finally, I don't know how it took so long, that two teams playing each other are, are both above 500 records. So that's definitely a plus. The Giants are a bit of a surprise 3 and one We're expected to compete more so next season. I believe they even indicated that themselves. Brian Dable has gotten his team to immediately play hard, play well, and be in a position to win games. Saquon Barkley leads the NFL in rushing. Looks like his old self, as I said last week. They might be able to take advantage of a Packers defense that's been vulnerable against the run to this point. For Green Bay, they want to play through the running backs as well, Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon. That said, Romeo Dobbs, rookie receiver out of Nevada, looks like a total steal in draft. Caught a touchdown last week, nearly had another on a deep ball late in the game. You could see Aaron Rodgers as gaining confidence in the rookie. And as I believe I said last week, you can see real subtleness in Dobbs' game with his route running, strong hands. That should make the Packers really optimistic about him as a potential number one target long term. And on Sunday, the Giants' defenses, I think, overachieved a little bit, maybe. And we'll see how they can contain the Packers' running backs, Dobbs, Alan Lazard. Personally, I feel like Rodgers is going to want to put on a bit of a show in another continent. And we'll see how he and the Packers fare against the Giants. Now to the 1 o'clock games. We'll start with Chargers-Browns. Last week, I forgot to mention, I should mention, the Chargers are dealing with serious injury. Left tackle Rashawn Slater is out for the season with a biceps injury. And Joey Bosa is out several weeks with a groin issue. So that's two cornerstone players right there, and that hurts a ton. Thankfully, the Chargers appear to have an excellent replacement at left tackle in six-round rookie. I don't know how he went that late in the draft out of Georgia. Jamari Salyer. And last week, Austin Eckler scored three touchdowns, two rushing, one receiving. So he got going a bit. That was good to see. The defense had a strong start against the Texans. Ultimately, the Chargers held on and won. And they face a Browns team that's just been inconsistent to this point. They're 2-2, two and two, lost to the Falcons last week. Nick Chubb is second in the NFL in rushing. He's been highly consistent. But overall, as a team, they just haven't put it all together. 
the defense has been somewhat disappointing for Cleveland considering they have such a great run game led by Chubb that ideally you'd be able to play great defense and run the ball. We'll see if they can improve and contain Justin Herbert and the Chargers this week while hoping to get Miles Garrett and Jadavion Clowney both on the field. The Lions face the Patriots. Detroit is just Jared Goff and the offense are totally lighting it up. Goff is showing why I felt he was totally disrespected with the way he was traded to the Lions and basically made as a scapegoat for the Rams not winning Super Bowl yet. I know the Rams won last year, but the issue with Goff at the end of his tenure with LA seemed to be clearly the offensive line, and you're seeing that now with how the Rams are struggling with the offensive line taking a step back this year again. So yeah, Goff's basically lighting it up. Amon Ross St. Brown was out of the lineup last week. DJ Tark was out of the lineup last week, and at running back, DeAndre Swift was out. Still, Detroit put up big numbers offensively, scored big points again. They're almost operating like a college offense where they're just going off every week. And offensive coordinator Ben Johnson, he's a really intriguing name to keep an eye on as a potential head coach. It seems like it doesn't matter who's in there at this point, the way he has the offense clicking. And it helps with the way the offensive line is playing and golf at quarterback, who's just highly underrated. The problem is, as good as the offense is, number one in the league right now, the defense is 32nd. I've said how they probably have a lack of talent, relatively speaking. To the offense and compared to like top defenses in the league still they have some pieces they need to figure things out somehow getting rookie second overall pick Aiden Hutchinson going off the edge would be big he had the three sack performance against the commanders in week two no other sacks aside from that obviously it's early but him getting going would be massive and they face the Patriots team they're one and three but doing both teams are one and three in this matchup but yeah, New England's 1-3, and three, but I think Bill Belichick is doing an outstanding job, as you would expect from the greatest coach ever. Mac Jones was out with his high ankle sprain last week at Lambeau Field, and then Brian Horry got hurt with a concussion, unfortunately, left early. Fourth-round rookie Bailey Zappi had to come in, and he played well, managed the game well. The Patriots were able to run the ball with Damon Harris from Andre Stevenson. Defense made plays. Jack Jones had a pick six, rookie corner. They forced overtime. And as Belichick said after the game, Randy Rodgers were just too good, and he was a difference in the game. Again, the Patriots need to just take care of the ball, and they should be in virtually every game. The status of Jones is unclear this week, but it looks like Zappi might make his first career start. Jones was limited in practice yesterday. I think he might sit out another game. This week is huge if the Patriots can get a win at home, get to two and three. And looking at the schedule on paper, I think they can go on a bit of a run here over the next several games and get in position for a late-season playoff push. The Texans face the Jaguars. One of the keys for the Jaguars through the first three games was they were taking care of the ball. I think I said last week they led the NFL in turnover margin. That changed in rainy Philadelphia, windy, rainy. Just not great conditions to take care of the ball on Sunday. Trevor Lawrence had five turnovers, one interception, and four fumbles. Wasn't all on him, obviously, at all. The Eagles' defense put a ton of pressure on him. Jaguars head coach Doug Peterson, who got a nice ovation, as he should have, in his return to Philadelphia last week, said he hopes it's just a blip for Lawrence with the turnovers. And I think it should be, hopefully. Again, the weather just wasn't ideal at all. The positive for Jacksonville, the defense, I've been impressed by them. All things considered last week with how the Jaguars offense played the defense. 
did an okay job, and they've been impressive early the season. They had a pick six last week and helped Jacksonville get to a 14-0 lead that eventually was evaporated. I'd like to see them improve against the run. Miles Sanders had a good day against them last week. The Texans are going to want to run the ball with rookie running back Damian Pierce. If the Jack can stop the run, I think they could have a really nice day defensively this week. And for the Texans, they're now the NFL's lone winless team. They do have the tie from week one against the Colts. That week one game was solid, but other than that, they're looking to put together sort of a complete performance, I think. And the AFC South, it's sort of up for grabs. The best team's 2-2. Two and two. So with a win, it's still really early, but with a win, Houston's right in it. Sticking with the divisional matchup, the Falcons face the Bucks. Tampa Bay, I just, as I said on the power rankings on WolfSports.com for this week, I really didn't recognize their defense on Sunday night against the Chiefs. It didn't help. The opening kickoff fumble that turned into a quick uh, seven points for the Chiefs, that didn't help. Still, though, especially the run defense, for the Bucks, they used to be, over the past few years, just a total shutdown unit. You really couldn't run the ball on them at all. And that's changed this season early. Sunday night might be a bit of a wake-up call to get them to snap out of it and get back to being an elite type of unit. We saw the first three games of the season. For the offense, it was good to see Chris Godwin on the field. Healthy. He got banged up but came back in the game. Julio Jones, I think the knee is definitely bothering him, which is unfortunate. Tom Brady remains banged up. He's now dealing with the right shoulder in addition to the finger issue on his right hand. But I mean, Brady threw for almost 400 yards last week. I expect Godwin to get more involved down the field soon. And I think the offense is starting to and will look more like we expected coming in the season. For the Falcons, defensive coordinator Dean Pease is getting the most out of their defense. Cornerback A.J. Terrell shadowed Amari Cooper last week, called him to one catch. So that was outstanding in the win over the Browns. Arthur Smith is doing what it takes on offense. Ran the ball 14 times in a row in the second half last week. I know the fancy football people aren't happy with the statistical performance of Kyle Pitts, and he could certainly be used more. But you've got to give Smith and the Falcons credit for being at 2-2. Two and two. That said, it's a tough spot going on the road against a Bucks team that I would think is really angry after what happened Sunday night last week. Though a win for Atlanta to get to 3-2 and two and the top of the division would be really something, even though it would be only after a handful of weeks. The Steelers face the Bills. In week one last year, Pittsburgh beat up on Buffalo a little bit and got the win, a surprise win, to kick off last season. So you know the Bills are going to be ready. They're 14-point favorites in what is Kenny Pickett's first career start. Pickett came in last week. It was a bit of a surprise in the second half for Mitchell Trubisky. I think in the Thursday night football game, especially in week three, was let down by his receivers a little bit. However, Pickett definitely brought some energy. He threw three interceptions, but they really weren't on him. He ran for a couple of touchdowns. In the end, it was a very disappointing loss for the Steelers against the Jets to drop to 1-3 and three with a brutal stretch on paper coming up. So a lot is riding on Pickett immediately playing well as rookie. And the defense, hopefully they get TJ Watt back very soon. I think he definitely would have helped last week against the Jets, probably close that out. Without Watt, we'll see if the Steelers can put together a defensive game plan to make it close against the Bills and see if they could pull it out at the end. And for Buffalo, they were down 20-3 to to the Ravens last week. Wasn't looking good at all. The defense totally stepped up and shut down the Ravens the rest of the game. 
the offense also stepped up, eventually tied the game, got in position for a game-winning field goal. It was partly because they have kind of demolished some teams over the past two seasons, but the Bills hadn't had a one-possession win either the first few games this year or last season. So there was a lot of talk about that. The Bills can't win close games, but they showed they can do that at Baltimore with their win. And wide receiver Gabe Davis, who is dealing with an ankle injury ahead of week two, and it's been lingering a bit. He was a full participant in practice yesterday for the first time since the injury. So I look for him to be more involved on offense moving forward and a potential major factor. The Dolphins face the Jets. The Jets, we just touched on them with their big win over the Steelers. They're now 2-2. Zach Wilson appeared to get more comfortable as the game went on last week. Made key plays at the end of the game to help the Jets pull off the comeback win. Wilson even caught a touchdown on a trick play from Braxton Barrios, a Philly special type of play. The defense was able to force four interceptions. So we'll say this, that might have been a turning point for the Jets to get a win over a franchise like the Steelers. They'll now host the Dolphins this week. I think everyone saw the two attack of Aloha situation last Thursday night. Just really unfortunate, and my prayers are with Tua and hoping that he's okay and 100% and can get on the field. I don't think head coach Mike McDaniel should be blamed for putting Tua out there. As Jimmy Johnson said on Fox NFL Sunday last week, he made a great point. Like When he was coach, he didn't have much to do with injuries at all. It would just be the medical staff tells him, this guy can't play or this guy will be back. I think that's the case around the league. I would think that coaches just listen to the medical staff, whatever they say. That said, it's pretty obvious Tua shouldn't have been allowed back in the game on Sunday. And then once you're in the concussion protocol from Sunday, you really can't play on Thursday if you have a Thursday game a few days later. So yeah, an avoidable situation. And the NFL is now changing rules a bit so that hopefully things like that don't happen again where a player returns the game where it appears they suffered a concussion or have clear concussion symptoms like Tua was wobbling around the week before when his head hit the ground on the hit against the Bills. But with Tua out, Teddy Bridgewater has experience as a starter, obviously very capable at quarterback, has Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle to throw to. I think the Dolphins get Mike Kosicki more involved, Raheem Mostert and Chase Edmonds at running back. And we'll see if Miami can bounce back. They had a few extra days to prepare with a mini buy after Thursday night. And if they can beat the Jets, they'll get to four and one, which would be really nice. Another divisional matchup, this one in the NFC, the Bears face the Vikings. The passing offense for the Bears is just pretty dreadful right now. Cooper Cup has more receptions. This also says a lot about the Rams, I think, but the Cooper Cup has more receptions than Justin Fields has completions this year. So that's not a deal. Still, I mean, they're 2-2. Two and two. It doesn't feel like they're 2-2, two and two, but they're 2-2. Two and two. Matt Eberflus is getting his team to play close games somehow. Uh, Keem Hicks is gone from the Bears. He's with the Bucks now, and he was a big part of it. But the Bears have typically played Dalvin Cook pretty well over the years, better than anyone. And the two sides don't like each other very much. We'll see if the Chicago defense can contain Cook this week as they look to get an upset on the road against the Vikings. Minnesota is a seven-point favorite against the Bears. They're coming back from London, so that's something to watch. Hopefully they aren't like sluggish after a close game against the Saints in another continent. Star receiver Justin Jefferson got going again last week. The defense made some key plays. 
pass rusher Daniil Hunter doesn't have a sack since week one, so I'm looking for him to maybe have a multi-sack performance this week and get going. And the Vikings are 3-1. and one. It's the first time in Kirk Cousins' career that his team is off to a 3-1 and one start, so that's a good sign. The Titans face the Commanders in Washington this week. The Titans already talked about them. Jeffrey Simmons in the defensive line dominating against the Colts to contain Jonathan Taylor to like two yards of carry. The defense is probably looking to feast against the struggling commanders offensive line this week. I would think Kevin Byard, Titan safety, is a pretty good bet for an interception on Sunday. And actually, the commanders' run defense has been pretty solid. So we'll see if they can contain Derrick Henry a bit. That would be big to make it a close game, I think. On offense, the commanders will be without Jahan Dotson, likely. Dealing with a hamstring issue, might miss a game or two. So that hurts a ton. The rookie receiver out of Penn State is a stud, as we've touched on before. Caught another touchdown last week, has four touchdowns through four career games. The big story for Washington, really an awesome story, coming out of terrible circumstances. Third-round rookie running back Brian Robinson was shot twice in the leg, and it looks like he's going to make his NFL debut this Sunday. He was primed to be the starting running back for the Commanders entering the season after a strong summer. And if the offensive line can open lanes for him, I think he can make a big impact to help the Commanders potentially control more games and be in favorable third-down situations with the way he can get down the hill and pick up positive yardage. So keeping on Robinson, we'll see if he does get activated officially this week. He returned to practice already. And yeah, terrible situation. Looking like a great comeback story for Robinson. The final 1 o'clock game, the Seahawks face the Saints. Rashad Penny finally got going last week in the win over the Lions. Ran for 151 yards and two touchdowns. And Geno Smith threw for 320 yards and two touchdowns. His second straight game with over 320 yards passing. He's completing 77.3% of his passes. I've mentioned Smith at least a couple of times. Saying how he didn't really have a fair shot with the Jets at the end of his tenure there. And he's taking full advantage of his opportunity in Seattle, which is really great to see. Again, as I said, I think in the first show of the season, he can sling it. He can throw the ball really accurately. There was a nice catchable ball, it looks like, at 2-2 two and two and tied atop a tight NFC West. And in the NFC overall, I definitely think Seattle can compete for a playoff spot. The defense is having some growing pains right now, but I think Pete Carroll can help get that unit going and at a competent level to help this be a surprise contending team in 2022. A surprise to many, I thought they could have competed with Smith at quarterback when most people were making fun of Smith and Drew Locke as the quarterbacks for the Seahawks. The Saints are returning from London at 1-3. and three. Not the start they expected. They traded their first-round pick to the Eagles ahead of the season, thinking they're going to compete this year. Still plenty of time but they need badly a win at home against the Seahawks. Jameis Winston and Michael Thomas, I'd say definitely Thomas looking doubtful and Winston looking uncertain, dealing with back issue for Sunday against the Seahawks. Andy Dalton, Hull, he's an experienced guy. He'll take care of the ball and keep the Saints in it. Saints are getting Alvin Kamara back this week, so that'll be big. The New Orleans defense, I think, needs to stop the momentum the Seahawks offense has going and playing at home in front of a great home crowd just get the defense going to a top-notch level to get back on track with a win. 
And again, it's pretty frustrating. Just three, four o'clock games this week. I guess the London games have complicated the schedule. But I don't understand why some of the one o'clock games can't be moved to four o'clock. So yeah, that's unfortunate. But I guess at least it's easier to watch fully all three games at the same time with them being the only ones going on. We'll start with Niners against the Panthers. Shout out to the Niners defense. They totally shut down the Rams last week on Monday night. They've they really dominated the series in the regular season. They had the really tough loss in the NFC title game. But yeah, thanks to the Niners defense. I was down 17 in fantasy heading into Monday night, and the only player left in the matchup was Niners defense I had. And my friend, he was worried. I was somewhat confident the Niners had a good shot at it considering their track record against the Rams and the Rams offensive line struggles. Talanoa Hufanga, second-year safety out of USC. The pick six virtually sealed it, and then another forced fumble strip sack at the end really sealed it for my fancy matchup and sealed it for the Niners, more importantly. That was an awesome performance by the Niners. The defense has just been tremendous. And offensively, I said how Jimmy Garoppolo really didn't have a preseason at all. He came out firing. First pass was highly accurate on the money. And that's what we've expected to see from Jimmy G. Devo Samuel totally went off, including the catch and run where he broke tackles, including a Jalen Ramsey tackle at the end. And it's a bit underrated. It was a high throw he went up to get, but really the defender had like inside leverage on him. I don't know if it was intentional or what, but Garoppolo threw it high. It was out of reach of the defender. Debo went up and got it. And things like that. It's not super flashy or anything, but Garoppolo can make some magic happen with the way he delivers the ball to his receivers. And he doesn't get enough credit. The Manning cast is great, but I really like Joe Buck and Troy Eggman, so I watched that. I'm curious what... I didn't get a chance to look into it, but I'm curious what the Mannings were saying about Garoppolo. And I'm sure they like him a lot. And the big thing was Garoppolo took care of the ball. He does sometimes do some boneheaded stuff. But if he can eliminate that, the Niners are a tough team to beat. And I would think they have a shot to dominate. The defense does at least, because the Panthers' defense is pretty good, but this week against the Carolina offense. Baker Mayfield had a ton of passes deflected last week, bad at the line of scrimmage. I think the Niners are going to want to do that and, of course, get a bunch of sacks, as they have early this season. The offense for the Panthers, even with Christian McCaffrey, who's like, almost an ultimate weapon. They don't have much of an identity right now, I don't think. The defense can be really good. It's played well. If the offense can't get anything going, though, it's going to be tough for the Panthers to compete for a playoff spot. Eagles face the Cardinals. Eagles were in a 14-year hole last week at home. That's one of the great things about Jalen Hurts. It didn't phase him at all. As Nick Sirianni said on Pat McAfee's show, like it doesn't matter what's going on. He could be screaming in his face. He could have the tunnel like collapsed on him as happened last year at Washington. And it doesn't matter. Like Curse is just straight face, deadly serious. He's obviously all about football. I, I don't think he cares about much else in terms of like hobbies or anything. I think he's just a total football junkie. I think he's just totally about being the best quarterback he can be. And that's been a big part of his progress. Eagles defense really looks crazy good. The additions they made on both sides of the ball. I said this before how much I love the moves the Eagles made this offseason and last offseason. 
And I said before, we strongly believe they're like reading Wolf Sports stuff, which we sent them about our track record and everything. And maybe they take into account because the moves this offseason were just uncanny and it's working out through four games. I mentioned a potential 17-0 season for the Bills. That didn't work out. The way the Eagles schedule set up, the two matchups against the Cowboys will be challenging, of course, against Michael Parsons and that defense. That said, 17-0 shouldn't be totally out of the question, I don't think. It's unlikely, but just something to keep in mind. And this will be a tough task, I think, at Arizona this week. The Cardinals' defense has quietly played pretty well. I'm not sure their secondary will hold up well against A.J. Brown, Devonta Smith, and then Dallas Goddard at tight end. They've struggled against tight ends. And then with Hurts running the ball like he can. And then the Eagles' defense, I think, has a piece like Hassan Reddick to contain Kyler Murray a bit as a runner in particular. And we've got to see the status of Darius Slay at corner for the Eagles. But I do think they match up pretty well against the Cardinals and should have a good shot to improve to 5-0 and as the NFL's lone remaining undefeated team. The final 4 o'clock matchups, the Cowboys face the Rams. Cowboys have won three straight games, all without Dak Prescott. Cooper Rush is executing the offense well. Not totally lining up, but he doesn't need to with the way Dallas' defense plays. And I said last week how the Cowboys are probably excited to go against the Commanders after seeing what the Eagles did to them the previous week. And I think the same thing heading into this week after seeing what the Niners did to the Rams. I would think Parsons, Demarcus Lawrence, everyone is just really ready for this one and hoping to make a big impact on defense. The offense will probably be challenged more by the Rams, but the Cowboys' defense can help keep games close and help Cooper Rush just not have to do too much and take care of the ball and play like he's been playing. And I saw Mike McCarthy was asked about if he ever takes the point spread into account. Cowboys are five and a half point underdogs this week. And McCarthy is known for giving good uh like pregame Saturday night speeches to his team. And he said he's gonna after a reporter told him about it, he's gonna use that five and a half point spread. He knows what his speech is this Saturday night. And I think the Cowboys should come out fired up this week. As for the Rams, they should too. They need to get on track offensively, especially. We'll see if Aaron Donald can maybe wreck this game. He was pretty quiet against the Niners. On Monday night, there's been a lot of talk about how much Stafford throws to Cooper Cup. Maybe that'd be the case anyway, but I think a big part of it is the offensive line struggles. They're struggling so much that Stafford feels that Cooper Cup and also Tyler Higby, who's been heavily involved as a receiver, he sees them as big time like safety blankets. So when he's under constant pressure, he's looking to Cup, he's looking to Higby. And for Sean McVay's offense to operate the way he wants it to, They'd ideally be spreading the ball around more. He said that again yesterday. And for that to happen, I think first and foremost, the offensive line has to improve. Not many offenses and teams can have success if the offensive line is playing as poorly as the Rams have. I think it takes, if your offensive line is like subpar, special quarterbacks like Aaron Rodgers, even Tom Brady, he knows how to navigate the pocket. Even if he's not like the most mobile quarterback, Josh Allen, Mahomes, Lamar Jackson, guys like that can get you out of trouble when the offensive line's struggling. I'm not sure the Rams can do that right now. They need protection up front. And speaking of that, we saw Joe Burrow last season and early this season navigate through struggling offensive line. He and the Bengals will go to Baltimore this week. 
for Sunday Night Football. That should be a good environment. The Ravens are wearing all black. And October matchup in Baltimore should be a fun one. And you could see at the end of the Thursday night game last week how Burrow went to all of his linemen and was like fist bumping them and telling them outstanding job. And they did definitely improve last week. Again, it was a revamped unit, so they might have needed some time to mesh. The pass blocking was good. Now they want to keep that going and get their run game going. There haven't been many holes for Joe Mixon at all to run through. Mixon's held a meeting with the offensive line to talk about it, and it might be a matter of time for that. And Jamar Chase really hasn't gotten going that much this season compared to expectations. And I think he's getting like a ton of double teams. And last week I even saw triple teams and like almost quadruple teams against Chase. But T. Higgins has taken advantage of that one-on-one coverage. And overall, the Bengals offense is a pick-your-poison for opposing defenses. And that'll be even better for Cincinnati if they can get Mixon in the run game clicking. The Ravens, again, they had that lead against the Bills last week. At the end of the game, Marcus Peters, extremely angry, yelling at John Harbaugh. Things like that happen. But Peters, of course, has a history of issues. There's a reason the Chiefs treated him. And I don't know, it, sometimes it's tough to win when players act like that. Ravens defense couldn't stop the Bengals last season. And the Bengals are coming in confident, I think. They had extra time to prepare after playing Thursday night. The Ravens should be determined. We'll see their past defenses obviously struggled a ton this season too. I'm not sure they can contain Cincinnati. That said, Lamar Jackson is a wild card. He can totally take over games as a runner and a passer. So again, should be a really fun one, I think, on Sunday Night Football. October matchup in Baltimore, all black uniforms for the Ravens. And then finally on Monday Night Football, to cap off Week 5, the Raiders face the Chiefs. Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs have dominated the Raiders throughout Mahomes' tenure there. It's in Arrowhead. Kansas City should be ultra-confident after already talked about them putting up 41 points on the Bucks was pretty stunning. Not only can they spread the ball around, but they're running the ball well this season. Clyde Edwards-Alaire is finding the end zone a lot. And keep an eye on running back Isaiah Pacheco. The Chiefs are seemingly going to get him pretty heavily involved as the season progresses. There were expectations to the contrary, but the Chiefs look like the clear AFC West favorites right now. The Raiders, they're coming off a desperately needed win against the Broncos last week. Josh McDaniel's first win as the Raiders head coach. They're now 1-3. and three. Josh Jacobs was huge. I think he had 28 carries, 144 yards, and two touchdowns in week four. Jacobs in their own game should be a factor in helping keep Monday Night close and then give Derek Carr and the team a chance to pull it out in the end. And again, the Raiders have not fared well against Mahomes and the Chiefs and Andy Reid. And I'm anxious to see how new defensive coordinator Patrick Graham fares in the matchup and what he does to try to somehow contain the Kansas City offense. So that'll do it for this week's episode of the Wolf Sports Show. I think once again, an outstanding schedule coming up. Starts with the Peyton Manning Bowl on Thursday Night Football on Amazon Prime Video. Then a good slate on Sunday, starting with the London game, 9.30 Eastern time here in the U.S. Then on Sunday Night Football on NBC, Bengals-Ravens, divisional matchup AFC North. And then Monday Night Football to cap the week, another divisional matchup AFC West, Raiders against Chiefs. Enjoy all the games. Remember to wake up. 
early Sunday if you want to watch a London game. We'll be back next week, and thank you for listening.